of the locals podcast it's your girl allison on the mic i am so excited to be back on the podcast and happy black history month i had so much planned for this month and so much that i wanted to do with the podcast but sadly as you guys know life happens and with that i actually went back to school the last week of feb or not february january and i started really kind of like honing in and understanding my classes and my scheduling towards the first week of february so with my two weeks hiatus it really consisted of me just investing a lot of time into school this is my last semester of junior year so there's a lot that goes into it I'm preparing to graduate hopefully spring 22 and there's a lot that's happening a lot that's happening really fast so I am excited for you guys to hear this episode actually because I had Faith Brooks Faith with two T's on the podcast she is a fellow activist and just a inspirational person I actually found her on Instagram this past year and I fell in love with her content. I think a lot of you guys are going to resonate with what she has to say in this podcast. We talked about social injustices. We talked about being in predominantly white spaces. We talked all about just resting as well, which is something that I have prioritized in this year, 2021. I try to take a Sabbath basically every Sunday. So we kind of talked about just the concept of Sabbath and the concept of resting, but also being an advocate for anti-racism work. So there's a lot that goes into this podcast, but it's so fitting, especially for the month of Black History Month. And we also shared some of our favorite Black figures. So you guys can kind of just get to know some more people better. And I'm really, really thrilled that she was able to come onto the podcast. I think a lot of you guys are going to enjoy it. But before we get into her episode, I did want to remind you all that if you do like reading, my friend Phoebe and I are actually reading a book for the month of February and we are going to recap it the first Monday of March, which is crazy to say that March is going to be right back around. (laughs) Um, But we are reading... The Language of Flowers. I don't know why I almost forgot. I've been reading that book for quite some long time now and I'm forgetting, but we're reading The Language of Flowers and it's honestly really good. So if you would like to be in our book club, we are trying to make this something that we do monthly. So with that being said, try to get a copy or if not, hit me up in my DMs and maybe I'll send you one. Um, and like I said, we'll be recapping that book March 1st. Another thing that I also wanted to say is that I am looking for people to come onto the podcast. So if you do know of anyone, please send them my way. I know many of you guys have sent me requests in the past, but 
honestly hit me up again because this is a new year so I have a lot of slots especially in the month of March and April that I would like to fill so if you would like to come onto the podcast or if you know someone else that would like to come onto the podcast please make sure to hit me up but without further ado let's get into this episode with Faith Brooks. Okay, and we are live. Welcome to the podcast, Faith. How are you? I am doing well. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to have everyone get to know you a little bit better. This is actually my first episode going up for Black History Month, and it was definitely a month that actually started off to kind of like a rough situation, but I am happy to have someone as special and inspirational as you on the podcast to start us off and kind of just uplift our spirits. But how has Black History Month been treating you? Black History Month has been treating me pretty well so far. Um, Not too many fires or major crises, so (laughs) that is good. I am thankful. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, of course, I want to highlight and uplift the um, Asian American voices right now um, and really just, you know, denounce a lot of the hate that the Asian um, community is experiencing. Um, Mm -hmm. But I have to say, like, as a Black woman, I'm really grateful that I've seen a lot more celebration of just who we are, um, just embodying the elegance of our community. And so mm-hmm. um, that has been amazing to see. Same here. I can't echo that enough. I really have been taking this week, especially to listen to people that obviously do not look like me. And I've noticed a lot of violence that is happening to our Asian brothers and sisters here in America. So it's very, I think, pivotal for everyone listening to do a quick Google search and see how you can help those that obviously are feeling voiceless at this time. I know that they have expressed that the media is not covering what is going on and I can echo that for them even more because I have not seen a lot in terms of that. So I am really taking my rightful seat to sit down and listen rather than, you know, kind of continue to project all this noise. So I like how you started that off and I can't echo it also enough with just in terms of like hearing from black women and celebrating our joy for once, you know? I feel like 2020 was a tough one Mm -hmm. for not just even black people, but honestly women as a whole, we were put in kind of a situation that we had to be a lot more vulnerable. So it's been nice, you know, to sit back. And I know right now there's a lot of movies out. I don't know if you've watched Malcolm and Marie or anything of that sort. Me either. I don't know what you've heard, but I've heard mixed emotions. Me too. (laughs) So I'm like, I don't know what to, what side to lean on. I want to see it just so I can like have my own um, like Mm -hmm. thoughts and opinions on it. But I have seen so many mixed reviews. So I'm like, oh. Okay, like we'll see but I have like a little bit of a different expectation for it. um so far the interpretation that I'm seeing of the film is a lot different so I'm interested to see how things um, turn out with it me too I'm really interested to see how it is I gotta fit it in hopefully sometime this week because life is busy as you know it yes. but before we get any further I really want you just to introduce yourself to the podcast so everyone gets to know you a little bit better 
Yeah, so, um, well, hello, everyone. I'm glad to be with you. Uh, my name is Faith, and I'm an activist and a writer. I'm a social worker, um, an avid traveler, and anti-racism educator. So those are just some of the few things, highlights, um, that kind of give you just a piece of who I am as a person, um, but also as a woman in the career path that I have thus far. Nice, nice, nice. Yes. And for context, I actually um, found Faith's um, Instagram in 2020, maybe towards like the end of 2020. And it was from just a friend reposting, as you guys know. And I really resonated with a lot of the words that she was saying because she also is a Christ follower. And it was beautiful to also see someone that kind of has a lot of the similar struggles that I currently am going through and trying to learn and navigate through and kind of see that her voice is so pivotal not only in my life but so many other people that I also associate with and I've actually had like side conversations about you faith with other friends of mine in the church and we're like oh you follow her too and they're like yes so it was just really reassuring to know that our feelings are valid and um with Black History Month and just honestly every month moving forward, I really want to know who are some of your people in Black history that have really inspired you? It necessarily does not have to be a celebrity. It could be honestly an activist on Instagram or someone that is more low-key. I would say this is someone from um, the past, but mm -hmm. I would say Fannie Lou Hamer um, definitely inspires me. Mm -hmm. um, some of you all might not know, but she's really like one of the Black women who's kind of an architect um, in voting rights activism and um, truly like used her voice to help pave the way um, for our ability to vote today. And so wow. I'm so inspired by her work. And I feel like it, you know, compels me to do the work that I'm doing now. But um, other people that are um, low key or people um, might not know about are, you know, really my ancestors, my mother, my mm -hmm. grandmothers, um, the women who have gone before me and uh, made me into the woman I am today, um, mm -hmm. my grandfather and, um, just being able to carry on the family legacy. It makes me proud. It makes me proud to hear what they were doing when um, I was their age and um, for them to hear, you know, what I'm doing now and to say, wow, you're just like, you're carrying it forward, um, what was started. And so um, they are the people that inspire me to keep moving and doing this work because it's a journey, right? There's hope, you know, you want to see an end, to racism. You don't want it, this to be like constantly the only topic that you have to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, but if somebody has to speak, I, I hope to be able to lend my voice to the conversation um, because we do need to be heard and our voices are valid. And I'm just grateful that I had family members and people in my life to inspire me, but also to encourage me and empower me to use my voice and um, remind me of why my voice is important. And so um, that's a big shout out to my family. I love it. I love that you mentioned your ancestry. I feel like this is something that I also am really 
kind of like turning in tune with because I know obviously my immediate family that is obviously here on this earth but it's so interesting when you have those conversations with your grandparents especially and they talk about the people that came before them and you're just so interested by like how they were able to be so resilient during a time especially that I categorize as even more horrific in some ways it's just been so interesting to see how you know even conversations with my grandma currently right now they are kind of like wow I would never have ever thought that my grandkids would have to live through something that I went through so it's just like, it's like we're going in a full circle moment, yes. but I'm hoping that as we move forward, we are able to obviously recognize our wrongs and move forward in a more productive way. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't know how you feel about that as well, but we have a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of work to do. The hope is, is that, um, you know, the truth would be compelling enough for people to want to respond and to change, right? But um, as we have seen, some people are not compelled by the truth and are more addicted to power. So um, that's where we have all these conversations that continue to happen. And it feels like we're moving in circles and not Mm -hmm. in one direction. But I think um, the more we as a society are committed to truth and accountability, then we can move forward in a way that actually honors one another and um, especially the humanity of people of color in this country. Yes, yes. Okay, so I know that you are heavily involved in social work and social work is something that I feel like many of us want to be more involved in, but we do not know how to. So can you give us just your journey in social work and how you even started your own nonprofit of your own? Yeah, so um, it's really interesting because I you know, while I have a clear vision of what direction I'm heading in now in my life, there was definitely that time after high school, I had zero idea (laughs) of what I wanted to do. Um, I knew that I wanted to help people, but I did not know what that translated into as far as a job. So the idea of a nine to five slightly terrified me because I was like, what am I supposed to do with that? And what am I going to do to make money? And am I going to like it? And I don't like sitting at desks all day. So um, I ended up going to a small um, private college and they didn't have sociology. That was what I was originally going to study. And they had social work. My mom encouraged me and said, you know what? So sociology, social work, they're not too, too different. You should check it out. So um, I started classes and I loved like the classes that I was in. And I realized that social work was a passion for me. And um, for me, I just didn't realize there was a whole career field that I could be in that could help, you know, advocate for people. Um, And then as I got deeper into the field, I recognized, okay, I love social work. Um, I don't want to do micro level social work, which is kind Mm -hmm. of like, you know, um, one-to-one or working individually with clients. Um, I really, really, really wanted to lean into um, the different avenues of social work, which is macro level social work, more like broad systemic change, things like that. So that's what led me to um, doing the work that I'm doing now. And um, and then you asked about um, what led me to create a nonprofit. So Mm -hmm. my 
great-grandmother was a teen parent and um, my grandmother was a teen parent and um, she had my mom um, who was her second child at 16. And so I decided to start a nonprofit for teen mothers and really with like a really simple idea behind it, which was to help them with some of their basic needs. A lot of moms I realized didn't um, have money to have a baby shower or Mm -hmm. have some of the basic supplies that they needed to get started. And I just wanted to help them do that. And that's what led me to start it. And so it's been different because I moved to a new city. I'm in Atlanta now Mm -hmm. and I don't have the same connections that I had before. So um, I'm kind of starting over. But um, one of the things that I've loved about this is number one, it's a really small nonprofit and it's not something that I do for money because I don't get paid from it. And it's not something that I truly typically promote. I just mm-hmm. ask around in the community, is there a need? And mm-hmm. um, I see if there's a way to help fill that need for that parent. And so um, not this Christmas, obviously COVID, but the last Christmas, mm-hmm. um, we were able to help two teen parents. And typically I like to work with teen moms, but in this case, there were two teen dads that had a need. And oh, so wow. we helped um, them and their family um, with, for their kids. And um, it was really special to be able to do that. And um, I just really believe in giving back to our community. And one of the biggest issues that we have and we see in teen parents why they you know struggle is just having that support system so being able to offer that means a lot to me and also it's just kind of a way of me paying it forward because um, that was the story of my grandmother and great-grandmother and I believe in their life and the legacy that they have and I just want to pass on goodness to someone else. I love it, Faith. I love it. It's so awesome to see how you started this nonprofit from something that actually occurred in your life and you saw and you recognized like, hey, this is something that we need to talk about and we also need to resource. Mm -hmm. I feel like one of the largest things that um, I feel like honestly goes dismissed because of just the lack of what's the word? I, I I feel like it's kind of like a taboo topic in a way. There's a lot of hype like, oh, when you're obviously married and you have the fairy tale like wife and kid or the husband and kids or whatever the case may be, people are so excited for the baby to come. But when it's a teen, it's kind of like, oh, interesting. Like, I don't know how to feel about this, which then kind of defaults to kind of them being neglected and not Mm -hmm. having that picturesque, you know, baby shower or having that picturesque moment when they bring the baby home and everyone's so warm and like, I want to see the baby, you know? And I think that this is something in society that we continuously look over. And therefore Mm -hmm. for you to recognize with it and be like, I'm going to help big or small, because it really does make a difference. And I just really appreciate the work that you have done and that you are continuing to do because it really does make all the difference. Okay, so in college, how did you recognize kind of your passion for social work and was there any resources that really helped you kind of catapult your own organization? That's a great question. I think (laughs) that, honestly, I just found myself realizing, like connecting the dots, you know, social work 
when people think of it, which I did work with foster children for, you know, several years, but when people think of social work, they think of, oh, these are just people who take kids out of, you know, somebody's house. And so Mm -hmm. for me in college, I started to learn the different avenues of social work and what all social workers do, um, Mm -hmm. that you had people in social work that, you know, built organizations or were program directors for different nonprofits or did advocacy work or lobbying work um, or political engagement, um, mm-hmm. you know, worked in, you know, different different avenues, right, in our society, but yes. with the same central role and idea that how can we help um, our local community? How can we help um, benefit and be an advocate, right? So mm-hmm. those were the things that kind of sparked my interest. And that meant that maybe I found, um, whether it was like books or groups or watched videos to kind of get more of a connection to the social work community and met other social workers, um, along Mm -hmm. the way. So that's kind of how I ended up, um, you know, doing that and um, enjoying that journey. So that was my, that was my shoe in. And then once I was in, I was like, yes. Uh And then I'm an Enneagram E and we're, you know, oh, highly motivated by justice. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like I had found my people. Nice, nice. Yeah. I'm an Enneagram three wing two. So I I, I balance and teeter totter honestly with Enneagram two and three mm-hmm. just because I know twos are very compassionate. They're really in tune with their emotions. And then threes are like that overachiever, really want to work hard. Yeah. So it's interesting, especially like last year, I really had a time balancing those two because I was highly invested, especially in social work and social justice and just equity as a whole. And then I also was like, but I need to be, you know, in a way like capitalizing off of this. Mm -hmm. I need to talk about this. I need to invest more time and really like, you know, infographics. I feel like 2020 was like the queen of Miss Infographics on Instagram. Everybody was reposting infographics and all this stuff. And I was like, maybe I should start that. Maybe I do. So it is interesting just like what level we have seen social work. And I'm really happy that you talked about like, Social work sometimes is not us just pulling kids out of homes. It's simply, you know, really investing in time, especially with people that, you know, are completely out of the foster care system and they are young adults and they don't have to, you know, be in a home anymore. They are on their own. So how has social work kind of changed for you as we, as you have progressed, you know, especially from not being in college anymore Mm -hmm. and really living your life on your own and investing more time into it? Yeah. So for me, um, how I practice social work is on a macro level and I work Mm -hmm. as the director of programs and innovation for an organization called Be the Bridge. And, Mm -hmm. um, that is where I spend, um, all of, you know, the bulk of my time, um, helping, um, to lead a team and we create resources to help people have thoughtful conversations about racial healing, equity, and reconciliation. And so um, that is a, um, a big way that I've been able to work with the community and advance the conversation about um, race and injustice and what that looks like. How can we have these conversations? And then also like, how can we help um, build bridges in our communities? And so that 
is important work and um, it's really the way that I have been practicing social work for um, full-time for the last year and a half and um, before then I worked in an organization and I helped give out grants and we helped wow. nominate different organizations um, that we felt were you know meaningful and um, mm -hmm. we were able to give grants to those communities so I've really been kind of on the the side of social work that involves like empowerment um, mm -hmm. and engagement and you know helping to shift narratives and communities through um, activism through resources um, and or you know like financially like being able to pour into communities and organizations mm -hmm. that are doing good in communities so that's how my social work career mm -hmm. has looked very different than some but um, mm -hmm. very fitting for me so I'm thankful yeah yeah very fitting for you I like how you mentioned you're on the side of social work that's very in tune with empowerment so has there been a moment within your career that you kind of just felt warm after you know maybe giving back to someone or providing a grant can you share those type of like joyous moments where you're just like wow I really love what I do yeah so um I really had that moment several different times but um there was one organization that um I found when I was tasked, I was new on um, this job and it was really like a crunch time to me, for me to find an organization to nominate whenever we were going to be traveling to LA. Um, and so I found this organization through just Googling around and it was called Right Girl. Um, you might have heard a lot more about Right Girl because Amanda Gorman was one of their students that um, was mentored by the people who founded Right Girl girl and um we were able to give a grant to karen taylor who is um over overseas right girl and it was really cool to be able to give you know to an organization that is promoting creative writing amongst young women and just it's so special and empowering wow. and so anyways that was definitely a time where it put a smile on my face and it felt like wow this is important and meaningful work that we're doing and um, just so grateful. So anyways, that's yes. that was um, one happy time. So for sure. I love it. I love it. I feel like we always have to kind of show some highlights, especially when it does come to social work, because I know that you have like two ends of the spectrum where you are really invested and you see the joyous moments, but you also see some of those like really dark days where you're mm -hmm. like, wow, this is what we have to, we have to help, you know, we have to help these people because there's a lot of darkness in this world. And I applaud you for even, you know, putting on this very happy face and being able to manage, you know, seeing these both sides of the world and being like, wow, where do I fit in? And where do I have my voice be you know, led. And it's just interesting to know that, you know, there are people in social work that are really doing the work to help us, you know, move forward in um, our society. Mm -hmm. So I also really wanted to know how has social work kind of changed for you in the era of this pandemic? How, I mean, I know everything's mostly remote, but how has it changed? I mean, I think, you know, from what I've seen, I can only kind of speak for the, you know, area I'm in, and then mm -hmm. I can slightly talk to what some are doing in other um, practices 
things that are more micro level. I know a lot of things have gone online, whether that's like therapy or different avenues of help and, um, and, or, you know, reducing the amount of people who are in buildings who are seeking some type Mm. of assistance. And for us and for the work that I do, it's meant that everything's online and um, there aren't really any things in person. We did limited, um, you know, in-person events or trainings or things like that. But with COVID, it's kind of shifted things to most most everything being online, um, with the exception of, you know, a few things that are, you know, really small. And so I just think that you have to get really creative. And it also means that you get really creative with your technology and video stuff and just all the things, you know, you get really creative with all those avenues and aspects. And, um, and, you know, you just kind of have to find a way to like, um, engage and, you know, keep people interested in what you have to say and also not burn them out with Zoom. And so it's just looked like reimagining and rethinking. I, and I feel like you kind of have to do that every single day. Um, and you have yeah. to kind of do that, uh, you know, week by week, like what might have worked last week might not work this week. And so it's been a mm-hmm. lot of creative thinking um, about how to keep people engaged and also connected, right? Spreading the word about what's happening yeah. in communities, which is a lot of what you're seeing online infographics, mm-hmm. shareable things, shareable content for people to have an understanding of what's happening in one another's communities, especially when we're not able to get together in person in the same way we were before. Yeah, that's the biggest thing is keeping people engaged. You know, it's really hard to kind of stay engaged when I feel like we're so everyone's like, oh, let's hop on Zoom and do this. But then you get the Zoom fatigue, which I know that we're all very much aware of. And it's been tough to kind of like balance those two things. But flipping our switch a little bit, I really wanted to talk about just, I was going through your website and I loved how you used that you were a spokesperson for racial equity. And as I have shared, I really found you through your Instagram and a lot of your posts are very authentic and they're outspoken and they touch a lot of people. And I really wanted to know just how you are able to stay authentic because to be quite honest, I know for myself and I know for a lot of people, it is really hard to stay authentic in a world where you want to be perceived as you have it all together, but you also want to advocate in courageous ways. Mm -hmm. So how do you honestly just stay authentic within your platform? Um, I have to remind myself that I can't be anybody else but me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, my voice isn't like everyone else's voice. I mean, I'm human. There's times when I feel like I compare myself to other people or the way they did it or they said it or this and that. Mm -hmm. And I have to come back to the fact that there can only be one faith with two T's and I just have to live that out and be who I am and show up authentically in that way. And I can't, Mm -hmm. um, you know, dwell on trying to be somebody else because then that's when I won't show up authentically and that's when the way that I show up isn't really true to me it isn't true to who I am because I'm trying to emulate someone else and so um, that's the way that I fight that is just how do I show up as me and then however that is that's how I say it Um, and I don't try to say it in any other way I just say it how faith would say it yeah you know that's that (laughs) 
I love it. I love it. I say it how Faith would say it. That's the truth. Like, there's also a quote on your page that I just really had to write down for myself. And it just said that I do not have time for my insecurity to speak louder than the truth. Yes. And wow, that was really just something that had honestly to be quite honest with you, Faith, was really something that plagued me through the year of 2020 was where we saw a lot of our Christian brothers and sisters divided. Mm -hmm. And we saw a lot of confusion where people were like, well, I want to support you. And I really want to be out there advocating for you in the streets because obviously (laughs) the death of George Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey shook the entire nation. But then they also saw the side of like, whoa, why are we burning down targets and all of this stuff? So it was just a lot of confusion. And your voice was so pivotal because it was like, as someone that has been in predominantly white Christian spaces my entire life, Mm It was hard. I've had really tough conversations, Faith, where some of my fellow Christian brothers and sisters were just like, well, Allison, how could you, you know, speak out like that? So how how has your um, journey been, especially being a black Christian woman and wanting to speak out when you know that your voice sometimes is compromised? Oh, what a... Um loaded question I know Um, I'm sorry (laughs) um you know I grew up in a lot of white spaces and I I just came to a point with myself um especially because I went to a um, predominantly white Christian um university and Mm -hmm. before that I was homeschooled and you know so I, I was no stranger to mostly white spaces being one of the onlys and friend groups, all of those things. Um, But when it comes to race and speaking out and talking about injustice, I had to make a decision for myself. Would I be authentic to who I am and what I felt I was called to do? Um, Or would I keep comfort for the sake of keeping the peace? And, um, I just was tired of feeling like I was keeping the peace or making people, um, you know, happy. And I didn't want to be a peacekeeper, right. I wanted to be a a peacemaker, but I didn't want to be a peacekeeper. Um, but even more than those things, I wanted to be a truth teller. And Mm -hmm. I had been in so many spaces where, um, to tell the truth was to quote unquote, lose your community. And I just finally decided that I was more committed to the truth and losing, um, community. And I decided just to continue to speak out. And that's what I did. And, you know, I did lose some people, but honestly, like what I gained was far more significant and the friendships I gained, um, the close friendships that I have, Friendships that, you know, maybe weren't as close at one point in life were resurrected. And, you know, I'm surrounded by, you know, incredible Black women. And I don't apologize for that for that because there was a time when I wasn't surrounded by mostly Black women and I was the only. And um, mm. I deserve to be in a space with friends who see me and love me and know me and um, can relate to my experience walking through this world as a Black woman. And so that's what I need. It's what I desire. And um it's what I'm fighting for when I show up in these spaces is for us to be able to show up as our full selves without apology um, and without fear because um, white supremacy doesn't owe me anything. 
and um, yeah. I'm not going to, um, you know, bow down to it or be driven by fear, fear of rejection, um, fear of any, you know, of those things that come, um, because that's kind of what ends up happening, right? It's like, oh, if you speak mm-hmm. out, then, you know, you lose that friend or so-and-so won't like yeah. you anymore or whatever. But like, if you can't acknowledge my humanity, you probably weren't my friend anyway. Wow. Snap, snap, snap. Hey, wow. It, 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 you took the words out of my mouth. I mean, especially as I move forward, I'm, I'm going into my 21st year in about a month. And I think right now, and I think that you could probably also speak on this is in your twenties, you start to realize a lot about yourself and you start to honestly question who you surround yourself with, what type of friendships you want, what type of relationship you want. And that's exactly where I'm at. And I'm kind of at this point where, like you said, I want to be a truth teller. I no longer want to be this peacekeeper because something that I really struggle with is people pleasing. Mm -hmm. And God really has just shook me. And he was like, you will never reach your fullest authentic self, Allison, if you continue to be this people pleaser. Mm-hmm. And oh boy, wow, have I learned that. I have really learned that. I mean, through your post faith, through people that I have been able to just you know, honestly come across on TikTok that are also, you know, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's just been so refreshing knowing that, you know, sometimes you just have to be you know, you have to have that Moses mentality. I always tell myself is that Mm. you want to flee your people. You want to free them. And with that, you are going to be put in uncomfortable situations. You're going to lose people. And, you know, I I can't be this person that's like, oh, well, I'm inspired by Harriet Tubman, but not, you know, act like her, not be courageous. So it's been interesting to navigate that. But to be quite honest, I know that God is working because I am becoming more vulnerable in my speech. I'm becoming more authentic. It's a slow process. It's not something that was overnight for me. I'm currently still trying to navigate it. But even right now, I can tell you that it's been something that has really helped me. But with that, on the flip side, I know that things can become a little bit tiresome. Mm -hmm. And I know that you currently just traveled back home. So how has been navigating working and doing anti-racist content and work? How do you find time to rest? That's a good question. Um, When I need to rest, I do nothing. Um, Yes. (laughs) so it is tough you know like right now I'm kind of trying to I like to call it like reorienting myself or like I'm like re-entry whenever you leave the country and you come back home everybody talks about the re-entry and like you know how tough it is and you know I've been gone from home a month so I'm thinking of this kind of like that like the re-entry process like what does that look like and so um I still have work to do so I'm Mm -hmm. not I'm not off work um but um, what it has looked like for me is I took one day, well, really almost like two, so two days to kind of mm-hmm. just do nothing over the weekend. And um, also, it looks like listening to my body and um, yeah. being in tune with myself, trying to get more sleep. So that's mm-hmm. meant going to bed a lot earlier lately and um, just doing different things like that. So that way I can like make sure that I'm like aligning myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, 
and, um, you know, finding like places of peace within, you know, within myself. And so I am um, truly like doing my best to, um, you know, make space and make room Mm -hmm. to listen and one of the best ways to rest, I feel like, is to create room for quiet and mm-hmm. um, not to fill up all of your time with, like, things to do. So whenever I'm at this point, which I am emotionally depleted and I'm exhausted and tired, I know mm-hmm. that adding in something, this is not the time. Um, trying to do a bunch of extra stuff, this is not the time. This is the time for me to do the least amount of things as possible until I feel like I have, like, built myself back up to where I need to be. And I have Mm -hmm. overflow, you know? And so um, that takes time though. And especially when you still have work to do and life to do. So that just means that like daily, you have to do these little things that are going to, you know, breathe life into you. And it takes time to figure out what those things are and what that looks like for you in your whole life. But um, that's what works for me is taking the time to just slow down and have, Mm -hmm. um, you know, no expectations of myself to have to up accomplish something or check it off my list I love it yeah like you mentioned just doing nothing sometimes is the best thing for us I really have been just researching a lot about just taking a sabbath Mm -hmm. and really trying to work that into my week I know that not everyone can do it but I highly recommend it Right now, my Sabbath is on Sunday, and it's kind of like a no social media day for me, and I do things like Faith said. Sometimes, it like the past two Sundays has been nothing. I've just been at home. I've been really just sitting at home and relaxing and reading sometimes, mm-hmm. and then sometimes it looks like a, just a strictly family day where I'm completely invested in my family, no phone, no distraction, um, but you cater to what is needed for you, you know, and... I just love the concept of Sabbath and it's sad that it almost took me about 20 years to really understand it, but it's something that I think I'm going to really try to implement in the rest of my entire life because it's something that we are wired to do because if we don't rest, our bodies will choose that day for us. Right, right. (laughs) So it's it's scary, you know, and that's why I really am really wanting you guys to just take a day of rest, honestly. But um, one final question that I have for you is how have you grown through your entire process of being a social worker and an anti-racist content creator? It's a great question. Um, honestly, I just feel like through um, humility, being teachable, mm-hmm. um, surrounding myself with good people who are also um, holding me accountable and mm-hmm. um, can speak the truth into me. Uh, I feel like you can not, well, you can, but it's not healthy to grow um, without having um, people in your life to hold you accountable, to remind you of who you are and to speak truth into your life. It's pivotal. It's important. You can lose yourself. You can lose yourself and the accolades of other people. And um, I feel like um, it's really caused me to grow because it's caused me to lean into my community, learn um, even more in depth about who I am, what I'm about, um, what makes me like motivated and excited and, you know, ready to go. And um, it's also just made me a better person and friend, you know, much like you're talking about your journey 
about how it has been something that you're you're learning and growing through and how you speak about things and share things, et cetera, et cetera. I spent years that people, you know, mm. didn't see like writing about justice and injustice starting at 2021. 20, and a lot of the stuff I deleted and or never got saw the light of day because I let my mom read it before I put it out in the world. And she was like, you know, I don't think that's going to accomplish what you want it to. And so um, I had to learn how to use my voice and how to speak and say things in a way uh, where people would listen to me. And, um, you know, that's a time and it seemed really silly as an exercise back then, but Mm -hmm. it's really helped me to learn my voice and my lane now. And it now Mm -hmm. it comes with ease in a way that it didn't in the beginning. Love it. A question just came across my mind. I really love just hearing what people are reading. So is there any book that you just want to put us on right now before we end the podcast? Yeah. So a book I am reading right now is called All About Love by Bell Hooks. And um, it's the book that I am enjoying now. So um, that's the one that I'm currently zeroed in on. But I always have several going at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah, I feel that. I feel that. I love, I've heard a lot of good things about Bell Hooks. So she's definitely on my TBR for this Mm -hmm. year. But I want everyone to know where to follow you and where they can find you on Instagram. So can you please shout out your Instagrams and all of that? Yeah, so you can find me on my website, faithbrooks.com. I spell my name with two Ts. And you can also find me on all of the social medias, all the different ones, um, at Faith B. So F-A-I-T-T-H-B, and you can find me there. Awesome. Thank you again, Faith, for coming on the podcast. And I hope you guys all had a great time listening. Bye.